Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Robin Hilton from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm here with Ann Powers in Nashville. Hey, Ann. Hello. And here in Washington, D.C., Stephen Thompson. Hello, Robin. And Lars Gottridge. Hi, Robin. And we're back. Woo! New Music Friday is yeah. back after a two-week break. Uh, let's see. We missed the Nicki Minaj record, Queen. Yeah. That, that came out. But generally, the top of August is pretty quiet. It's about to pick up uh, with a flood of releases on the horizon. But we kick off this week's New Music Friday with Death Cab for Cutie and their new record, Thank You for Today. song is Gold Rush. Such a great earworm from this new Death Cab for Cutie record. The record's called Thank You for Today, and this is their first album that they did entirely without their secret weapon producer, <laughs> Chris Walla. He was involved uh, in the last record, Kintsugi, although he, he, he stepped down uh, from that role during the making of that record. How has the band landed with this one? Uh, I think enormously well. This is Death Cab for Cutie's ninth album. It's also their first album to come out in their third decade as a band. Yes. And listening to this record, I was kind of marveling at Ben Gibbard and his ability to evolve as a songwriter. When he was in his 20s, he wrote these beautiful, sparkly songs about young love and these and kind of young, raw emotions, uh, learning to, to cope with separation. And, and stuff like that. And, you know, over time, he, he got married and divorced and, you know, kind of went through his 30s and wrote about a lot of that stuff. And now he's in his 40s and he's not writing songs that are trying to duplicate what he used to sound like. Right. So the recurring theme of this record is this idea of trying to return to your old life only to find that it's changed without you. And that is a very powerful and universal feeling I think a ton of people have. I expected to miss Chris Walla's presence more than I did. I think they do a beautiful job kind of duplicating the things that people love about Death Cab for Cutie while still evolving lyrically. Yeah, I wondered how they would do without Chris Walla too because I love him and his work and he's, he's still missed, but yeah, they made a fantastic record here. Thank you for today. Let's go next to Ariana Grande and her album, Sweetener. Wait a love now. 
the darkness The singer's Ariana Grande, and this is her album Sweetener. The song is The Light Is Coming. This has uh, Nicki Minaj on it. And, and, you know, obviously Ariana Grande is a, just a massively successful and much-beloved pop singer. And, she, you know, for much of the past decade, she's been a very active advocate for a number of causes. But her role as a musician and as an activist has changed a lot in the past year. Well, yeah, Robin, Ariana Grande's life and legacy were changed forever when in May of last year, a terrorist detonated a bomb right after one of her concerts at Manchester Arena in England. And um, there were fatalities. It was a horrible, horrible tragedy. One of the fans killed was only eight years old. So many of Ariana Grande's fans are young women. And um, this song we just heard a little bit of, The Light is Coming, definitely is a, an optimistic, hopeful, almost spiritual song about going back into the light after, after a tragedy. It also is a banger that sounds right. like an MIA song, which is pretty interesting. I know that Ariana Grande has said that she wanted this to be a very positive, uplifting album, that she wanted to have a message of hope and universal love, and as the song title says, bring a little light into the lives of all those who need it. I think it's easy to, to put a lot of weight on this record as a response to the tragedy in Manchester last year. At the same time, this is also a record that is clearly about artistic growth and expanding a pop sound from kind of conventional pop bangers like we're used to from her into this kind of weirder and artier terrain. And if you watch the videos, they're they're deliberately strange. And she is clearly trying to expand what she does beyond simple lightness. Ariana Grande is the artist. The album is Sweetener. Let's go to the band Animal Collective and their new record, Tangerine Reef. Kind of reminds me of something Laurie Anderson would have done, maybe with the guitarist Adrian Ballou, oh, making mm-hmm, some of those textures. Yeah. Uh, the the band is Animal Collective. The record is Tangerine Reef, and this song is called Air Pipe. And Lars, this is a band that has a reputation for making some pretty bonkers music, and it's to really, say the least. yeah, and they yeah. really, I mean, in a way, pull back on this one. Well, okay. In the mid 2000s, the Animal Collective decided to subvert pop music and release two records in a row: Strawberry Jam and Meriwether Post Pavilion, that really amped up these really weird pop jams. And then they followed it with two records that really didn't make any that sense. Alienated about 96 percent of the audience, yes. including myself. And I was, I wanted to give them the, the benefit of the doubt that just like they needed to work out some stuff. And this 
record kind of sees the band go back to the old Animal Collective sound from the early 2000s. Not Maybe not necessarily the sound, but kind of like the feeling behind it, where it's very much about the discovery of sound instead of trying to subvert it. And so it is very contemplative. It's very, very chill. This album is being called an audiovisual record, and it's going to come with these depictions of coral reefs <laughs> that have been filmed. And it's, there, apparently there's a lot of like coral sex involved. In <laughs> <laughs> coral sex. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 film and the and the music are sort of packaged together. It, I, I gather it's supposed to kind of replicate the feel of a movie like Koyaanisqatsi, where right. where you have these kind of um, contemplative nature imagery paired to ambient music. The album is Tangerine Reef by Animal Collective. Let's hear one more record before we uh, take a break. It comes from Trevor Powers, uh, formerly known as Youth Lagoon, some, another artist who has made some pretty bonkers music in the past. He's got a new solo record out called Mulberry Violence. love what he's doing on this song and on this record. Trevor Powers, the album is Mulberry Violence, and as I mentioned, he uh, his previous project was Youth Lagoon. I brought Youth Lagoon in for a tiny desk at, at the end of uh, 2015, and then just a couple of months later, he announced that he was through with the band, and I was just shocked. Uh, because because they, Robin, you did that. Yeah, How dare you? It was, it was my fault. <laughs> and um, But, you know, the, the band had just released what I thought was their best record, the Savage Hills Ballroom, and I just couldn't believe that they would throw it in at what seemed like, you know, he seemed like he was doing great, the band was doing great, the album was great. Um, but he's he felt like he'd outgrown the project, and he's back with this first proper solo album, and I'm really impressed with how much it sounds like he's grown. 
Well, one thing that I really like about this record is is when you think of an artist going solo, sometimes you imagine somebody who's like stripping away all of these big sounds that they're accustomed to to kind of find the the bones of what they do. And so when you think of an artist going solo, you sometimes think of like, I'm solo acoustic now. Right. And this record is so much more expansive. It's just, just shards of it are flying out at all times. Yeah. And I think that's that's just a, such an interesting move. He's shrunk the artist and expanded the sound. Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I mean, he was always sort of this twitchy introvert uh, when he was in Youth Lagoon and doing the Youth Lagoon project. And he was he was very quirky. His voice was very quirky. And he gets it gets kind of big and bold at times on this album. I had an interesting discussion with Mike Katz if he mm-hmm. wrote up the first listen that we had on our site this past week. And I said, this is an interesting record because it kind of feels a little bit post-Fever Ray in the mm-hmm. way that he is playing with his voice and how he is burying it underneath all these sounds and manipulations. But when he wants you to hear something, right. he lets you hear it, which I think is like, uh, that's the mark of somebody who's like being very intentional about the music and the message that they want to send out. The album from Trevor Powers is called Mulberry Violence. We still have a few more records to get through, uh, but first let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club. Discover hand-selected wines from around the world, learn the stories behind each one, and enjoy unique bottles inspired by favorite NPR shows. If you're 21 or older, uncork a special offer at nprwineclub.org. It's New Music Friday. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with Ann Powers and Stephen Thompson, Lars Gottridge. We start the second half of our show off with Mitski and her new album, Be the Cowboy. I steal a few breaths from the world for a minute And then I'll be nothing forever Reminds me so much of Fiona Apple on this cut in particular, me and my husband from Mitski and her record, uh, Be the Cowboy. I think we all pretty much fell in love with her after her record, Puberty 2, in 2016, and she's back with her follow-up. Yeah, Be the Cowboy is about power relationships. Uh, Mitski has always been one of those artists who is fearless in terms of how she approaches emotionalism in her music and how she looks at herself or the character she's building at the very edge of propriety, at the very edge of kind of like being in control of emotions. But the craft has just grown in her music and these songs while they still deal with you know that intensity like in this song uh, sort of about a woman who erases herself except for in her relationship to her husband the the precision with which she tells the story is just at the highest pitch you know I don't know for me it is a great pop rock record it is a great guitar record and it just you can sink into it on so many levels 
The artist is Mitski, and her new album is Be the Cowboy. Let's go to a, a really interesting record from the composer and uh, electronic artist Anna Meredith. Her new album is called Anno. So classical fans will immediately recognize this as uh, Vivaldi's Four Seasons. It's specifically the first movement of his summer concerto. Anna Meredith calls it uh, Heat. It's the name of this cut, Heat. Uh, Stephen, what is she doing here? Well, you, you mentioned that the title of this record is Anno. The full title of the album is Anno, colon, Four Seasons by Anna Meredith and Antonio Vivaldi. Right. Bold. <laughs> bold. That is a bold, bold move. Right. Now, so yeah, there is, a, there is uh, interwoven throughout this record, a performance of Four Seasons by the, the Scottish Ensemble Violin Orchestra uh, with Anna Meredith. Then spliced throughout are these original compositions, these original Anna Meredith compositions that are more in line with these experimental soundscapes that she makes as a solo artist. And it is such a big swing. It's such an interesting approach to a piece of music that we have all heard a million times. Let's listen to a bit of another cut. This is a a track she calls Bloom. It's really hard to hear it in this, but I think just based on where it falls on this album, I think this is supposed to be the first movement of the Autumn Concerto. At least that's where it falls in the track sequence, even though I can't hear anything in it. (laughs) So she's either swapped it out completely for this song, Bloom, or she has transformed it so profoundly that it's hard to tell where it is in this song. Yeah, she's swinging back and forth between her own compositions and and Vivaldi's. And it really, it's, it is a very hard collection to excerpt. Right. <laughs> because right. it is it is kind of an, it is creating an overarching feeling where you're, you're, you're finding some of the patterns in the way that her work kind of can be woven into Vivaldi's. I found it extremely seamless though, because I was listening to this record in the car and, you know, a lot of these records that like try to be, classical records that try to be so edgy kind of hit you over the head with it. And this one, I kind of lost track of where Vivaldi ended and where Anna Meredith began. And I thought that was a nice little trick. The record Anno, Four Seasons by Anna Meredith and Antonio Vivaldi. I thought Anno, by the way, was a mashup of her name, Anna, and Antonio. Anno? It just means year. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no. It just means year. It's like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. I get what she's doing now. So cool. (laughs) 
All right. One last record before we go. It comes from Roy Montgomery, and the record is called Suffuse. The artist is Roy Montgomery, the record is Suffuse, and this song is as haunting as the title, Apparition. And Lars, this was a new discovery for me. Roy Montgomery, he's a New Zealand-based guitarist who's been making music since the early 80s. He was part of the Flying Nun group of experimental rock bands that were coming out of, especially the 80s and the 90s. He was in a band called The Pin Group. And Roy Montgomery famously hates his own voice. (laughs) So uh, he kind of had this idea, well, why don't I write the songs and other people sing them? And so he assembled this record featuring nothing but women's voices. The one you just heard was Haley Four from Cirque du Ya, and it also features She Keeps Bees, Katie Von Schleicher, Purple Pilgrims, which is a group I didn't know, but they're from New Zealand, Juliana Barwick, and Groupers Liz Harris. This is like a, this is a murderer's row. I was of like, say, this like... is like Lars Gottman's <laughs> HQ. <laughs> this is this is all the music. These are all the voices and different like sound creators that I love, and they're all in one spot. It's interesting, Lars, that Roy Montgomery is, has a history with Flying Nun Records. I, I consider Flying Nun to be more the headquarters for what we used to call the shambolic <laughs> sound, you know, mm. that kind of uh, the chills or the bats, right. a, a noisy kind of a version of bit. indie pop. Yeah. What you played for us now, it really reminds me of 4AD, classic 4AD mm. albums like This Mortal Coil. I don't yeah. know if it evokes that for you. Yeah, absolutely. I can hear that. And that record is called Suffuse uh, by Roy Montgomery, one of the many releases out on August 17th. I can't believe how fast this year is going. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for this. Ann Powers in Nashville. Thanks, you guys. And uh, Stephen Thompson here in D.C. Always a pleasure. Lars Gottridge. Thanks, Robert. A reminder to tell your friends about the program and follow me on Twitter at N-P-R-O-B-I-N. To see a list of the albums we talked about, check out the podcast description for this episode. You can also go to npr.org slash all songs. You can hear full versions of the songs we featured from these records and a whole lot of other great releases in the new Music Friday playlist from NPR Music. Go to npr.org slash Spotify or open the Spotify app and search for NPR Music. And for NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. Be well, have a great weekend, and Treat yourself to lots of great music. Did you know that over 15 million people a month listen to NPR podcasts, according to PodTracks podcast metrics? Check out all our shows at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.